906, still on News Radio 680 WPTF. It's Friday night, and I believe it's June 26. Tom Kearney here, and we've got an hour of live and in real time radio. And it's our want whenever it's possible. That is to say, when, well, well, unless something really severe is happening, catastrophic in the world, we try to do trivia on Friday night to, uh, well, to say we're glad we made it through another week, particularly these days and also to greet the weekend, which uh, it seems to me is going to be a pretty nice one weather-wise and otherwise. Uh, Tom Kearney here, and I'm here every night Monday through Friday from 9 until 10. And right many of the times on Friday night, my brother Stephen is my guest, and uh, here's the point where we say, Stephen, are you there? Yes, Tom, I'm here. Okay. Friday night. That's Friday night. That's the question we've been asking, and you and I have been doing this uh, about 25 years or so. We're going to have some trivia tonight, and we're, we're going to slightly retune the way we do this and that we're going to put uh, most of the trivia right in Stephen's lap and uh, let me kibitz with him a little bit along the way. If you want to join us along the way, the number to call would be 919-860-9783, 919 which is, of course, our area code, 860-9783. And the trivia tonight, Stephen, is going to be what? We're going to do presidential trivia tonight, Tom. It's topical, and it's always a lot of fun. Yeah, right, and it seems like uh, you and I discussed this, and I I was was thinking, well, this is an election year, and that, that means that people are thinking about this in the back of their mind, even if it is not front and center. There are an awful lot of things to think about these days and uh, but it's one little part of american history that i've always liked i think the the first thing that i can remember doing in school where i tried to do a project i was in like the second grade or something was to draw pictures usually with crayons and things of all the presidents and of course it was really tacky looking but i did get them all in and the uh, the current president at that time was harry truman harry s truman and uh, so uh, i one of the trivia questions we might ask somewhere later tonight, Stephen, you made up the question, so you may or may not want to take it, but to tell us what the S stood for in Harry S. Truman. But that's that, what's going that's to be going a, on. That's a really good question, Tom. Well, I have my own story about how I came into the president's thing. Uh, our mother bought me a series of books. There were 12 of them from the American Heritage folks, and they were focusing on the presidency and and the presidents, and the president at that time for me was Lyndon Baines Johnson. Right. In fact, I I seem to remember that he came to Seymour Johnson, which is in our hometown, and didn't you go out and see him or, or try to go out and see him or something like that? I did. I have a memory of sitting on, I guess, my father's shoulders and seeing him. Uh, I was thinking tonight when I was looking at how tall he was, which I'm not going to give away, Tom, but uh, that I was sitting on his shoulders because he and I sort of were at eye level with one another is what I remember. I was very young, though, and I may have romanticized that memory somewhat. Well, you get to do that. You get to do that after a while. You get, it makes you a good storyteller. But I can remember he came to North Carolina on a kind of a campaign visit, and he visited some poor farmers out near Rocky Mount, I believe, and then he came to Seymour Johnson, which had uh, reopened in the mid-1950s and was a major sack and tack base and uh, was an appropriate place for the President of the United States to visit. Uh, so you're entitled to have your story. Uh, you've made up the questions and I'm going to step back a little bit each time and let you sort of do that part of the program and so I won't be uh, 
giving you a hard time as you do the do the, do the questions and, and uh, being a kind of a smart aleck. Uh, the number, uh, and you're going to have to memorize this number eventually, Stephen, is 919, which, of course, is the area code 860-9783, and that works out to be WPTF if you figure out what the letters stand for. Uh, are you you think you're ready to uh, see if we can get somebody to dial us up? Maybe Todd is waiting in the wings somewhere. Could be, Tom. I, one of the things that I wanted to do to sort of, uh, the, you don't always, you mostly you do it, and, and I wanted to especially do it tonight because we're trying something new, is that our producers are Mr. JT, and he's going to help me out tonight, and you, in working on something that we're trying that is different. And he's also going to remind me, because this is new to me, about where our commercial breaks might be. If you're not available to do it at a particular time, I'm away at the bottom of the hour. Right. Well, yeah, he... Yeah, I forgot to tell you you needed to get a good clock to have on hand, but he can do that uh, on, on air as we're going to ask him to be like Roz on the Fraser show on television and say, Stephen, you have uh, Bob on line one now if you'd like to talk to him. And so he's got a lot of extra duties tonight, but uh, somehow I have the feeling that he, he's up to it, so we're going, we're going to be all right. So having said that, uh, and... Uh, if anybody has a trivia question of their own or a question that they'd like to ask, you know, something they've always wondered, both of you and I are kind of history buffs, so uh, so uh, maybe we'll know the answer or maybe we can send him in the right direction. And, in fact, before you get underway by giving out your first set of questions, uh, you you know, I've described you as a semi-pro trivia player. Because you, <laughs> That's very unfair, but go ahead, yeah. You go, you go around. To, you and some of your friends go to... to uh, Watering holes in Charlotte and uh, participate in games. Do you do? Does the subject of presidential trivia ever show up in those games? Oh yeah, sure. It's it's fair game, and especially in a year like like this one, and as well as 2016, the election years. That's going to be a time when you're going to get this kind of question, uh, or, or they might be tied into debates or something like, or for that matter, even a presidential visit. I know I keep drawing this out, but I keep thinking of things that I didn't do. I had a question last week uh, and some general trivia, and you can have it if you want to use it in, in some place tonight, and that is the first president to be born in the United States. Okay. I think uh, I know who that is. You know, well, we'll well it, it isn't know. George Washington, because he may have been born in the territory that became the United States, but it was not the United States when he was born. This guy... When he was born, the United States already existed, and he's the first one to be born in the United States. And, and you can use it or not, or we can we can save it along the way. The other thing is, on the the trivia on this program, we have one rule, and that is you cannot look the answer up. You cannot use your your electronic device, your smartphone, your BlackBerry, or whatever it is. You cannot use your PN or your Mac or PC or whatever. In fact, you cannot even pull down. Uh, the encyclopedia off off the wall. You have to have this in your head, and the only way you can get any help uh, from other than what's in your brain right now is uh, if you have a friend or a significant other with you, and they want to whisper it in your ear. Actually, you don't have to whisper it; you can say it out loud. But they want to tell you the answer. They can do that. You have to get help from another from another human being. Once again, the number is nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. Stephen. If you're about ready, you might put out a set of, say, three or four questions now and have people queue up during the break because we're going to need to take a break right after you get through doing this. 
All right, Tom, we're going to start, we're going to start with three questions. These questions range from being moderately difficult to, I think, being very easy. And, Tom, I'm ready to do that. Uh, right. Go for it. Go for All right, it. Tom. We'll, we'll go right into the break. All right. The first question is, what two future United States presidents signed the Declaration of Independence? There were two of them. Tell me who they were. Second question, this is really easy, but it kind of gets us in the mood, if you will. Who was the only president to serve more than two terms? Two terms being four and then four, Tom. And okay. then one of my favorite questions is, there's one president who was never elected. I want to know who he is. Okay, that's I've got to, and that, and that makes me stop because that's not one that I automatically know the answer to. So what we've got it there is three questions for folks to answer. You can queue up, which is the way the British say get in line, uh, by dialing nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three, and my compadre, my brother Stephen, will be waiting on the other side of this break to take your answers. The Tom Kearney Show on FM ninety eight five AM six eighty WPTF. Nine seventeen at News Radio six eighty WPTF. You always have to call when you first come on the air. Uh, we are having trivia tonight on the Tom Kearney Show, presidential trivia. And Stephen, uh, just so you can get get ready to to take the call, we've got Anthony on the line, and he'll be talking to you. And he's usually good for some good answers and some conversation. Okay, Anthony, are you on the line? I'm on the line, uh, Stephen. How are you? I'm good, sir. Good to hear from you again. Uh, what uh, question do you want to answer? Well, I'm going to take the last one you did about the uh, only president never elected. That was Gerald Rudolph Ford. Yeah, that's one of my favorite questions because it it, it deals with something that's completely strange to most people's sensibilities. Uh, you tend to think of surely that anybody that was that is the president of the United States was probably elected, but that's not necessarily the case with Gerald Ford. Were you a Gerald Ford fan? Well, um. He was not of the same political party as I was, but uh, uh, I got over that. Uh, I understand why he did uh, what he had to do with President Nixon. Uh, it helped heal the country, so uh, that's uh, I don't fault him for that. Um, actually, uh, Gerald Ford's not his real name. His name was Leslie King, but uh, he his uh, mother remarried, and he took that name, Gerald Ford, and the rest is history. All of that is true, and I think he was a football star at the University of Michigan. At least I want to say that. Do you think that's true? I believe it was, and uh, you know that stuff about uh, uh, falling down and all that. Uh, I know Chevy Chase uh, did the uh, the takeoff on uh, Saturday Night Live, but uh, you know, I think tripping twice saved his life, uh, especially back in 1975. He had two assassination attempts, and each time uh, the ladies missed. So that was a good thing. <laughs> it certainly was a good thing, and uh, I think he's unfairly judged. Uh, Chevy Chase made a bit of a career by uh, essentially trying to portray Gerald Ford back then, and we're, this is the early days of Saturday Night Live that you're talking about, but we are talking about a man who I believe was also part of the Warren Commission on the Kennedy assassination, uh, he was, the, for many years, the minority leader in the, I think, the Senate. Check me on this, Anthony. I think, it was, I, I think he was in the House of Representatives when he was the uh, minority leader. Okay, there you go. All right, thank you for that. And I found out just doing some research recently that, that Mr. Ford is the only president 
to have appeared uh, as a model on the cover of a magazine. Uh, uh, Mr. Ford was a handsome younger man. He was a handsome older man, and he uh, was a model on Cosmopolitan magazine back in the 1940s. And wow. I think that, yeah, he, uh, I think we can say with some degree of certainty and agreement that Gerald Ford was multifaceted. And he also is, as you know, because you know him very well, he, uh, he became the vice president in a very interesting way as well, right? He did. Uh, it was one of those situations that uh, uh, Spirit T. Agnew had to uh, uh, give it up. And um, uh, he, he was uh, thrust into that position uh, not knowing that sooner or later the president uh, would have to resign. And the person that urged uh, Richard Nixon to resign was uh, Barry Goldwater. He went and talked to him and said, look, man, you, you've got to resign. They're coming after you with impeachment. And he listened to him. And I, I, I did listen to Nixon's speech uh, the Wednesday night before he resigned. He said, this is uh, against everything in my body, but I'm going to do what's right for the country. And he did it. Of course, Gerald Ford became president at 12 noon on August 9, 1974. The other night I had the pleasure, and I would probably have to go into some minute. I'm going to ask JT to lean in if we've got other listeners that have called in with questions. But uh, uh, the other night I was watching All the President's Men, and, of course, the, that, that movie, a really good movie, ends with uh, Nixon resigning. And uh, I, I like to think and do think that they, they turned it over to a good man who, uh, if he had been running at a different time, might have been re-elected president. I think he would have. Uh, it was one of those uh, inopportune uh, moments of history that uh, he was not able to uh, uh, get back in for that uh, other term. Uh, something I want to pick up from what your brother talked with the uh, Cohen guy the other night. Um, here's something I want to throw out. When they built the um, Carson City Mint, what president... Shut it down not once but twice. Do you know that? I, I don't. I, in fact, that's new to me. Can you help me out a little bit with that? Oh, yeah. Grover Cleveland shut it down when he was in the first time, and then when he came back in again, he shut it down in 1893 for good. And he said there was a lot of theft going on there, but I think it was politics. He didn't like the fact that the Republican Party was running the uh, uh, men out there at Carson City. And he decided, well, I'll show you, and he shut it down. Because if you look at the uh, number of uh, silver dollars produced, only 13 are produced out of Carson City, where if you have others produced out of Philly, uh, San Francisco, and, and Denver. So uh, it's very interesting there. I think uh, you're probably right. Mr. Cleveland, we know him to be, from history, a Democrat and a very lifelong Democrat, and and I would say a good Democrat, but he had previously been a very serious law and order man as the mayor of Buffalo, and I think he may have even been the district attorney up there, and he was all about fighting crime if he could. So this is all consistent with both politics and with his sort of his view on law and order. Yeah, there was something about uh, him being the father of an illegitimate child. This is Grover Cleveland now, and something about, uh, ha-ha, where's my... Daddy and something like uh, ha ha he's in the White House or something like that. It was kind of a funny thing the way it turned out. But uh, anyway, Grover Cleveland, only president to serve two non-consecutive terms, which is another great trivia question. We it all is. Want to, we all want to know. 
Well, Anthony, yep. I want to I want to thank you for calling in, and uh, uh, I want Tom when he comes back on to talk about the Carson City situation, which I know that he will. But thank you for calling tonight and chatting. All with right, us. thank you, it. and you have a good weekend. You too, sir. Thank you. And folks, that was Anthony. He's a regular of the Friday night callers here on WPTF, and he's part of a regular family. And I think Tom's back on the line. Can you can you hear me now? I, I don't know that I know much to add to the. To the thing about Carson City, I do know that one thing is that, that this was the time when the issue of how much silver was being produced and used in the United States was a live political issue, uh, and uh, the uh, Republicans wanted to stay on what they call the gold standard, while the the Democrats and a lot of the populists wanted to uh, enlarge the amount of money in circulation, either through paper money, which they weren't, weren't all that much in favor of, but somehow or by coining more silver. That's what William Jennings Bryan uh, was was for in his running for president and his famous speech about not crucifying us on a cross of silver, uh, on a cross of gold, actually, because he was pro-silver. But So that helps out a little bit there. And the thing that Anthony was looking for was, Ma, Ma, where's my pa? He's gone to the White House. Ha, ha, ha. Because uh, it is thought that Cleveland did have an illegitimate child but also, he was the first president to be married in the White House and the first to have a child while he was president. So, there's some more trivia for you. He had a very young bride, and uh, Tom, uh, is there some tie-in to baby Ruth there? <laughs> well, the child of, of the marriage was like all children of, of famous people and presidents, uh, like John John was for the Kennedys. He became famous, and uh, the, the child was named Ruth, and the, supposedly the candy bar was named after the child, Baby Ruth. It was not named after Babe Ruth, the baseball player. Uh, you, seems you, like I, remember, I, think, I think a lot of people think that Baby Ruth was named after after Babe Ruth, but Babe Ruth. it actually predates him, Tom. Do we want to see if we can drum up some more callers at 1-800? No, at yes, 1-919-860-9783. The 9783 is WPTF. If you look right. down on your phone where the letters are, Tom. <laughs> That's what I needed to do. I was trying to do it from memory, but it's uh, uh, 919-860-9783 is, if you know the answer. Stephen, why don't you uh, repeat a couple of your trivia questions and maybe add one or two more. Okay, Tom, uh, the two that we have left from our first three, uh, what two future United States presidents signed the Declaration of Independence? There are two and if you think about them, they should come to mind, given the fact that we're talking about July 4th, 1776. Uh, and this one's very easy. Uh, who was the only president to serve more than two terms? Uh, Tom, uh, a couple other easy questions. Who was the shortest United States president? And a follow-up, if you will, who was the tallest United States president? There's two. Okay. And, Tom, uh, I want to throw one out there to see how this is answered, but who is the oldest president that uh, at the time of inauguration? Ah, oh, interesting. I, you know, I, there was a time when I would have known exactly what the answer is, and I think I have a good guess, but uh, let's see if anybody in the audience knows that. And, and I will repeat again for our audience, and I'm sure you would agree with me, there's nothing wrong with an educated guess. That, uh, That's uh, JT, true. Do we have any callers coming in yet? Uh, no, sir, not right now. Okay. JT, by the way, is our producer, and he's just joined us within the last month, and he's doing a fine job keeping us all 
in mind. He is our Friday night producer, and John Sauter is our producer the other four nights of the week. Uh, Tom, uh, so something that Anthony brought up, and we were coming up in about two minutes. I do have a good clock, by the way, Tom. Okay, good. Um, good. In about two minutes, we'll be, coming, we'll be coming up on news at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Anthony brought up uh, the, the time in which uh, Gerald Ford, that was who we were talking about, and Mr. Ford has the uh, the distinction, Tom, of having never been elected vice president and never having been elected president and having served in both offices. Uh, a question that, my, that I'm going to ask you to see if you know, Gerald Ford became president uh, when Mr. Nixon resigned, and he had a vice president. Who was his vice president? He did have a vice president, but it wasn't immediate. They eventually, uh, it was the, the gentleman who was at the time, or pre- just previous to that, and was a Republican uh, favorite, that Nelson Rockefeller became his vice president. Yeah, he had been running for, for on the Republican ticket for a number of years and was very uh, very popular with the eastern part of the Republican Party, and which is opposed to uh, the gentleman that was mentioned by uh, Anthony uh, Barry Goldwater, uh, and, and I think Anthony was right that when when Barry Goldwater spoke to Mr. Nixon and said it's time to go, is when he decided that it in fact was because Goldwater had a a great following in the uh, in the Republican Party. He was not the only one. Senator Hugh Scott from Pennsylvania. I'm afraid I lived through all the Watergate stuff, Stephen, and you were just about old enough to to halfway understand what was going on when all of that was coming on. Uh, well, we actually stayed home from school. At least some of us did to watch the Watergate hearings. Tom, it's about nine thirty. Okay. Well, we've we've changed our schedule just a little bit, and I forgot to tell you about that. the the uh, The news that comes on at nine thirty has been uh, has been scratched for the time being, and so we're going to hit CBS News at nine thirty one coming up. But you're turning out to be a good radio guy, Stephen, because you're you're paying attention to what's going on. Again, we've got trivia questions about presidents. Stephen has given you. Four good questions, and you can queue up during the news break that's coming up. Uh, you can call uh, uh, 860-9783-860-WPTF with the 919 in front of it, which, of course, is our, uh, uh, what do you call that, Stephen? I'm area code. Area code. Thank you. This is why I keep Stephen around. He's, he's young and still got the brains. But right now, we're going to go to CBS and check the news, and we'll be back. The Tom Kearney Show on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Nine thirty-four, almost 9.35 at News Radio 680 WPTF. Tom Kearney on the Tom Kearney Show. Uh, JT, I think I'll save this commercial that we were talking about and do it when the next break comes along, So, just so you'll know what's going on. But I believe we have a caller for Stephen. Stephen, are you there? I'm here, Tom. Our friend Ann, I'm not sure which Ann it is, but we'll know in just a couple of moments, uh, is ready to see if uh, she can come up with an answer. So here she is. Hello, Ann. Hello. Uh, which question this would you like Sir, to This is Sir uh, Walter Ann. Hi, Sir Walter Ann. It's so nice to hear from you again. It's been a while. <laughs> nice to talk to you again. Which, which question would you like to answer? I think I'll take the last one about the oldest president. Yeah, the oldest president inaugurated. This has a bit of a trick to it. So what's your answer? Oh, I didn't realize that. Well, I was going to say Ronald Reagan. There's the trick. Um, if you say the oldest president inaugurated, the oldest president elected was Ronald Reagan, and you have to get down to counting days. Uh, the oldest president inaugurated, though, was the current president, Mr. Trump. Oh, my goodness. Well, all I remember is the, there was a, recently a special 
on PBS about Ronald Reagan and his famous wit. And uh, during his uh, last time running for office, uh, some smart addict uh reporter asked him if uh, his age was going to be, no, if age, not his age, but age, was going to be um, uh, something that they were going to talk about in the, in the, while running. And he laughed and said, no, no, I, I refuse to take that into consideration, uh, my opponent's uh, youth and inexperience. And it just so happened that the camera angle was such that they had Reagan and Mondale in the same picture, and even Mondale himself laughed at that. Well, you know, uh, when Mr. Reagan first won, he was was elected at age 69, and I had read an article because it was he was one of the older uh, persons to be elected president, and was well, again was the oldest elected, not at the inauguration time, but. Uh, the article said that Mr. Reagan had sort of spent his life preparing to be president, or if nothing else, preparing to be an older person. And I really thought that was important. I mean, he uh, would take naps during the day when he felt like he needed to. He took good care of himself. So I think he was mentally a uh, sprite, if you will, aware mm-hmm, when he definitely. became president. And I think he mm-hmm. kind of always prepared to be an older gentleman, something we may all, all ought to do for you know, to prepare to be not just the age we are now, but maybe to be the age we hope to be. That's true. That's true. And, and he turned out, I thought, I mean, you know, I had a lot of fun during the Reagan years. I won't go into detail, in, but, uh, um, and so I have a sort of warm thought about Ronald Reagan, and I've always thought that he would be a really good person to have dinner with. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I agree 100%. Um, I can't say where I work, but I do work for a place that, uh, Reagan is one of our heroes that we uh, venerate, and um, I remember very well being in Florida on the day of the election, of his first election, and uh, was so surprised when I found out that he had won and called back to my parents, only to find out that basically the entire state of North Carolina went Republican based on his shirt tails, and it was just wonderful. Yeah, it, it was a time and uh, a situation such as we were talking with earlier that, that, that the Times gave us Gerald Ford. Well, the Times ultimately gave us Ronald Reagan. Uh, yes. Mr. Carter, you know, was dealing with the Iran situation, and he had gone on the air and it indicated that the United States was having a period of malaise, and that really didn't seem to sit well with the voters at the time. And so then we had Mr. Reagan, and as you said, North Carolina went Republican on the tails of Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'll, I'll never forget his speech, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Well, I think Ronald Reagan had the, the capability of making every American feel that he was speaking for them, that he was saying what they wanted, what we to, wanted say. to say. Yes, exactly. I think you put that very, very well. And, and uh, I remember in the 1984 election, I tell friends this often when they talk about it, when he was doing his campaign, the people running his campaign presented images that we all would hope to have as, as being a symbol of America. You know, the, mm-hmm. the sort of the white picket fences, the, the clear streets, people enjoying themselves and enjoying the freedom of being in the greatest country on earth. And uh, Mr. Reagan had a way of, well, he, there's a reason he's called the great communicator. Yes, definitely. And I also remember a picture of him um, walking with the Pope. And, uh, you know, he was so tall, and the Pope was relatively short, and his bending his head 
down to listen to what the Pope has to say and all. And that was just um, a wonderful image that I will always have. But it's good to remember him during uh, during some trying times of, of times that were better. And uh, yes. I think the 80s when Mr. Reagan was president, certainly are times that we can think about in that regard. Yes. I do want to say one thing to you uh, about uh, uh, Sir, the Walter, Sir Walter Hotel. Uh, I think Tom has mentioned from time to time that the uh, hotel in Goldsboro was modeled after it. And uh, they've done a lot of refurbishing recently. And I saw a picture of the dining room. And so if you're ever down around Goldsboro, you ought to check it out. I would like to. I would very much like to. Well, and thank you for calling. That hotel also um, owned by a gentleman named, I think it's David Wheel. Is that right? I honestly don't know the answer to that. Tom's going to have to chime in and tell me that. Uh, this is where, you, when you have an older brother, you can really benefit because he, he was there before <laughs> I was, and he'll know that the answer to that. Uh, now, thank you, you see, so much. I always wanted an older brother for an entirely different reason. I wanted well, to date his friends. Well, there you go. Well, my older brother has been a great guide to my life, and when I don't know something, I'll turn around and ask him, and sometimes he says, gives me the answer, and sometimes he says, I don't know, let's look it up. And uh, But I think he might know the answer to that particular one. Well, you both have a wonderful weekend. Yes, ma'am, you too, and thanks again for calling. Thank it's good you. to hear from you. And that, uh, that was, uh, that was Ann. Tom, are you here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I know, I think Mr. Wheel owned uh, uh both of the, uh, and I'm doing this from memory, he certainly owned the one in Goldsboro, and I think still does, but I'm not sure that he still is involved in the uh, the structure that was the Sir Walter Hotel. The Goldsboro Hotel was was a slightly smaller version of the Sir Walter Hotel and, and was a, a, a place if you lived in Goldsboro and you went into it, it was a world unto itself because once you left Center Street, you were somewhere else when you went when you went in there, but the good conversation with our friend Sir Walter Ann, who, as you know, Stephen has been a guest on our program. For the fans of our program who are listening who don't know, she uh, Ann grew up in the Sir Walter Hotel. Uh, her father was the executive director of it in the forties, uh, fifties, and sixties, and it was an important part of the the political scene and and, and uh, other in other ways in the capital city. Uh, uh, so it was a, a Stephen. You, you, and I have talked about the use use of the word iconic. I think maybe the Sir Walter Hotel at its at its high point was in fact iconic. And so I would agree. Um, we need to take a break here and uh, and uh, give some folks a chance to queue up. You want to add a couple of more questions or another set, and I'm going to do a commercial, and then we'll take our break. And so, uh, but if you want to add a, two or three more questions, maybe we can scare some people out of the woodwork here. Sure, Tom. Uh, we're going to ask a, a couple of new questions. I want to know what president founded the University of Virginia. Okay, I can do that one. I can handle that one. Okay. And Tom, here's one that I think is easy, but sometimes turns out to be harder than than you might think. Name the president that are depicted on Mount Rushmore? Aha, uh-huh. yeah, good question. Uh, it may be thought to be simpler than it actually is, but uh, okay, so there were the, the presidents that are depicted on Mount Rushmore, the mountain out in uh, in uh, South Dakota, okay? All well, right. you, you rest up and get, catch your breath, and uh, I want to talk about uh, King's Auto here uh, for just a moment, and then we'll, after this we'll come back and see if anybody wants to answer your questions. By the way, the number is... Uh, 919-860-9783.
As I mentioned, we need to talk about King's Auto, King's Auto Service, and the question of the cycle of service. When servicing your car, you need to know your cycle of service. The cycle of service begins the month that you buy your car. That cycle does not necessarily match with the normal seasonal changes. At King's Auto Service, they will schedule your service intervals based on that cycle. For those who are using synthetic oil, which is longer lasting, or driving limited miles, you may go months past the normal service based on those miles and will need to schedule your service two or three times a year independent of the regular seasonal schedule. During your service, Kings will check wipers, belts, tires, and transmission fluid levels. For those of you currently driving a Toyota Prius or some other hybrid vehicle, the certified hybrid technicians at Kings are able to refurbish your high-voltage battery pack for less than the dealer would charge to replace it. This usually has to take place, by the way, the replacement at about 150,000 miles. Call Kings uh, on Monday to schedule a courtesy battery analysis. King's Auto Service and King's Correct Lube, along with the State Inspection Station, are easy to find at 1039 Northwest Street in downtown Raleigh and at kingautomotive.net on the web. King's Auto Service, Raleigh's most reliable auto care since 1946. The Tom Kearney Show on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Almost 9.50 at News Radio 680 WPTF. Tom Kearney on a Friday night. And we've had some trivia questions tonight. Not all of them have been answered, so you're invited to join us if you will. Maybe we can get Stephen to repeat the questions here in a moment. Uh, the number, of course, is 919, which is our area code, 860 uh, Those of you, I'm assuming you know who Stephen is. He is my brother and my, my, my partner in crime on the, the trivia show on Friday night. Stephen? You want to repeat the questions and see if we can get a couple more answers? Sure, Tom. Um, we're going to repeat them sort of the last ones we did first. Uh, I want to know what president founded the University of Virginia. That's kind of self-explanatory if you think about it. Uh, also, want to name the presidents on Mount Rushmore. It seems easy if you're just sitting around thinking, but it's probably not as easy as, as all that. Uh, also, what is the... What two future United States presidents signed the Declaration of Independence? Tom, do you know the answer to that? I do know the answer, and that, that one of them is an answer to another question that you've already asked. Right, and we will, so we won't go to it just yet. Uh, yeah. Who was the only president to serve more than two terms, Tom? Okay. And I think that's the only ones that we have not had answers are the, are the ones we've asked tonight. Right. Now, you got to remember, I gave you a question. Uh, yes, you that, did. That question is, who was the first president born in the United States? And, and it's uh, uh, not as simple as it would seem. And, in fact, if you know his name, you know he was born in a, uh, in his ancestors were born in a, in fact, you know where they were born, what country, just by knowing his name, because it, it's a distinctive name. But he was the first one born after the the Revolutionary War and the the uh, creation of the Constitution in the United States. Uh, so what we want to know is the answer to that. Uh, Tom, Steve, we got a caller. Okay. okay. Steve, you take it. We've got Alan on line two. Okay, let's talk to Alan. Alan, are you there? Hello, Steve, and how are you? Hey, Alan. I'm great. It's been a while since we talked. Yeah, probably end of March, maybe. 
I talked um, to Tom last week for the first time. So. Yeah, it was sort of around the middle of March because uh, we, you and I, kind of wanted to, to, to talk about what was going on with Tom. So uh, yeah, uh, I remember that. So which one do you want to answer? Um, well, you turn it into the Thomas Jefferson show. Oh, there's uh, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Adams and Jefferson signed the Declaration of Independence. Right. That's correct. Uh, Jefferson started the University of Virginia. Right. And uh, Jefferson, Washington, Lincoln, and Teddy Roosevelt are on Mount Rushmore. That's right. Now, you know what? I did not actually set it up to be like that, but uh, uh, he was a Renaissance man of sorts, and uh, he certainly will take a was a very important part of the early days of American history, and uh, it, it, nothing else his contribution to setting up the University of Virginia is, is something to be noted. Have you ever been to UVA? Um, no, actually, I haven't. About three years ago, I went to Monticello, and I had an opportunity. I think I pronounced that correctly. I'm, Tom will let me know. Um, and while I was up there, I, I understood that you he had built the, or set up the University of Virginia sort of so that he could see it from Monticello. And sure enough, if you're in the right place, you can look down on the campus. And I think that's kind of a cool thing. I, Do I you have been a to Mount favorite, Vernon, but I haven't been to Monticello. So. Do you have a favorite uh, presidential trivia question you would like for Tom and I to entertain? Um, well, I was going to toss I was going to toss one at you. Um, All right. What other, what other three presidents were never actually elected president of the United States? Were never actually elected president. Hmm. They were elected as vice president and became president, but they never actually. Well, what's interesting about that question elected. is it's hard in that you've got to you have to deal with a situation in which the person became president for the first time, and if they were never elected, then they could not have served a second term, right? Is that what you're thinking about? Mm, no, they actually. Well, they didn't run for a term after they ascended to the presidency, essentially, okay, or were defeated there. for re-election. You say there are three of them. Three uh, of them I would say John Tyler, Andrew Johnson, um, and Chester Arthur. I think Millard Fillmore was the other one. Okay, that would work. And I think he's also the first president who was born in the United States. Well, I think that's wrong. Tom is going to join us in just a minute. I'm going to guess, okay, and I'm not attacking you. You know, you're my old buddy from our hometown. I think it was Martin Van Buren, and the thing that Tom was talking about was clearly Van Buren would indicate that he might have ancestors uh, from, we'll call it the old country, or certainly from Europe. And uh, I believe that he was born in Tenderhook, New York. So, uh, Alan, I, I'm going to probably bring Tom back here in just a second and see if that's the correct answer. But um, uh, I really want to thank you for calling tonight. It's good to talk to you again. And uh, I hope you will call me because I want to get your number. Uh, just call me on my normal number like we did before. If you would do that, I'd appreciate it. Okay. Um, two other ones I had written down were Lincoln, I think, was the tallest president. Right. And FDR served more than two terms. FDR served four terms. Uh, Lincoln edges out Lyndon Johnson by about a half inch, I think. All right, Thank I'll talk you. to you soon. Take care. All right, you take care. Tom, can you join us again? James Madison was the shortest president, Stephen. At, yes, at 5'4". And tell me this question about the first president born in the United States. Well, it was, it was in fact, Martin Van Buren. He, uh, he, you've got it exactly right. He was born in Kinderhook, New York. And it, 
part of the, the story of where the 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 term okay for something that you, you, all right is supposed to stand for old kinderhook but there's a I've actually bought a book the title of it is okay so because I want to read up on that to find out uh, and it's not exactly but that was a, a nickname for old kinderhook or Martin Van Buren who was in the beginning, uh, Andrew Jackson's vice president and then was elected to one term as president uh, right after that. There you go. And Tom, we, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, we're about through tonight, Stephen. You, you've done well tonight, so you you get an accolade for your for your maiden voice here. As the voice well, of the Tom, it was, it was good to hear from our old friends uh, Anthony, Ann, and uh, my good friend Alan. And, okay. Uh, and uh, thank you for letting me have the opportunity to participate. Okay. We'll join it, folks again Monday night when we talk about the death of the uh, Archduke Franz Ferdinand at the beginning of World War I. The Tom Kearney Show on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF.